Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the program. And at this hour, we are Halstead heavy and strong today. We have a few heavy hitters here in the studio with me, and we are going to talk all about winning, success, the challenges that come with, and also discuss the importance of social media and the most effective uses for sales and rental agents anywhere. We have Halstead's president, its chief marketing officer, and a new rookie of the year from Halstead at last week's Real Estate Board of New York's Deal of the Year award ceremony. Also at this hour, we will talk about one of our beloved neighborhoods, that being Greenwich Village, and new development buildings that are offering many amenities, or is location, location, a better decision over amenities? Plus, would you rather use a larger down payment or have a higher mortgage? My panel of experts will weigh in on all of this a little later, but first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and this is Good Morning New York Real Estate. Thank you all for joining us today. My panel is here, as always. They'll be here in a little while, but first up, though, is the Halstead crew, and I'm so happy to have all of them here today. Uh, Richard Grossman is here with more than three decades of real estate experience in New York City. Richard is well known and is an innovative, effective, and strategic leader in both the residential and commercial fields. As president of Halstead Property, Richard handles the day-to-day operations of running Halstead's Village and Soho offices in addition to his corporate responsibilities. Under his careful and thoughtful direction, a solid network of loyal and top-producing agents has created the downtown offices of Halstead. Agents under his leadership have won numerous first, second, and third-place awards in the prestigious Real Estate Board of New York Steel of the Year Award Ceremony through the years. Richard is most proud to have mentored the Real Estate Board of New York's designation of 2008, 2011, 2012, 2013 Rookies of the Year, and at it again, this year, just last week, Halstead saw yet another Rookie of the Year, and he is with us today. That is Matt Martin. Matt's passion for real estate, coupled with his 12-year background in accounting and finance, provides a unique advantage for his clients. Originally from Southern California, Matt has called New York City home for over a decade, a licensed CPA. Wow. Matt <laughs> studied business economics at UCLA with minors in Spanish and accounting. Prior to joining Halstead, he had a very successful 12-year career in business at Deloitte, HBO, and Disney, where he was the director of finance overseeing the company's Broadway portfolio. But Matt thrives off of personal connections, and he has always dreamed of a career in real estate where he could help bring people together with their perfect homes, with his affable personality, financial savvy, and genuine interest in building relationships with his clients, he strives to make the process of buying and selling real estate an enjoyable one, and so that shows. And third, Matt Leone. Matthew Leone brings a fresh marketing perspective and extensive knowledge of web technologies and techniques to Halstead that helps to set the company apart from its competitors. He started at Terra Holdings in 2004, was promoted to marketing manager in 2007, and then in 2011 to director of web marketing and social media. In 2013, Matt was promoted to senior vice president of digital marketing now. As the company's chief marketing officer, Matt oversees the daily operations of the marketing division that services Halstead Property and other Terra Holdings companies like Brown Harris Stevens. He also oversees the day-to-day responsibilities of Web 2.0 efforts, including all social media like Facebook, Tumblr, Blog, Pinterest, and Twitter, as well as a video marketing booth. Uh, marketing that both uh, help build and interact with virtual community. Matt has been a recipient of the prestigious Halstead Distinction Award for 2013. So, 
The Residential uh, Brokerage Division of the Real Estate Board of New York has presented the annual Deal of the Year Award since 1988. Winners of these awards show creativity and ingenuity in overcoming unique obstacles to make a successful deal. The division also bestows the Henry Foster Award upon a broker whose career accomplishments and personal conduct bring credit to the entire residential brokerage community. These awards are presented at the annual dinner uh, and the annual Deal of the Year Gala. So, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Good Vince. morning. And thanks for being here. So, Richard, I'd like to start <clears> with you because it seems like you have a knack of picking new agents that not only win Rookie of the Year, but also go on to have very successful careers, you know, in real estate. How do you do this consistently? I mean, this has been going on for years. Well, let me just start off by saying that in my 35 years in the business, I've seen many different markets and challenges. And what I love about the business is that I characterize it by saying that I get excited by going to work every day. We're lucky to work in a business that offers new challenges, new relationships, and new opportunities every day. And just like what I I try to teach and espouse, I continue to develop my skills every day that serve my agents. In terms of having five agents that have worked for me to win the Rebney Rookie of the Year, which, which, let me just note, is an unprecedented achievement. um, (laughs) Yes, it is. It's really about attracting the right people. I've been lucky in both my personal and professional life to surround myself by people whose, whose value and worldview are similar to mine. The old saying is, your vibe attacks your tribe. And I believe that's very true in business as well as in life. But in a field where everyone wants to work in real estate, partly because of what they see on television, you know, it's so glamorous and the million dollar guys running all over the place, you know, what, you know how it's got to be very difficult to recruit the right kind of agent. What is it that you're actually looking for? You know, <clears throat> what I look for in a candidate is that they, first of all, they have fi- what I call fire in their belly. Um, they have the, the the desire to succeed. They're likable, intelligent, and have a desire to learn the business, not just make quick money. The best way to succeed is to believe that, the, that, that failure is not an option. Once we've agreed upon that, finding the path to success is easy. Um, for agents that have experience, some which I hire as well, I look for some of the same qualities and additional qualities as well of wanting to take <clears> their <throat> business to a new level. Um, I have a track record of working with agents and helping them expand their business to increase their earnings. Do you like to recruit? I do like to recruit. Because to me, recruiting is, is, is about talking to new people, meeting new people, and, and, and getting them as passionate about a firm and, and, and an industry as I am. I, I see you doing a lot of that when I'm in the office, and I, I just wonder because sometimes I, I, I think it could be very difficult, very time-consuming to just hone in on who, what the right skills are for people coming and going. Everybody is different. Everybody has a whole different set of skills, but you've got to pick the right ones. Again, getting to the point where you want them to be successful, go on to win an award that sets them up for hopefully the rest of their career. There's got to be something there um, well, that you see, I mean, I, you know, I, specifically. Well, let me talk about Matt Martin specifically. Yeah. I knew the the within five minutes of meeting Matt the first time we sat down together, and Matt came to me through a referral <laughs> from a friend of mine, which is how we originally met Matt Martin. Um, I can tell you, in the first five minutes, I could just see that he was intelligent, he was smart, he had the desire to to to, to learn, and he had the desire to succeed. And you know, and and quite frankly, that's what I'm looking for. I want people. I want to surround myself by winners, and Matt was a winner. All right, we're going to get to Matt in a minute, but from your perspective, you you know you oversee all of the sales agents along with Diane. What what you know? Where is the the sales market right now in Q4 in 2017? I think compared to where we had come from 16 into 17, and where do you think we are today? And where do you think we're going into 18? Well, you know, 
Let me just start by saying that in New York City, the fundamentals of our local economy remain strong. Uh, interest rates are low, our, our employment is high, our inventory is still relatively stable in terms of, of lack of inventory. So I think that bodes well for prices and going forward. Um, you know, you know, even you know, fundamentally, in New York City, we have more people who want to live in New York City than we have the ability to build housing. So I think that the that that are, are you know, and even if there's going to be a period of time where maybe there's more inventory coming on at a specific moment than others, it may affect affect the market a little bit. Long term, our, our our horizons are well. I think that in 2016, going to 2017, we saw an adjustment of prices at the higher point. I think we're seeing right now in today's market um, prices, let's say between three and five or three and seven million dollars. We're seeing a slight adjustment in terms of that in price, but I'm not talking about you know a huge number. I'm talking about five percent at the most on certain properties. But aside from aside from adjustments in those particular price points, and I, and I agree with you 100% because I'm seeing them in, in some of the new development stuff that I have, is it a little more than just price adjustments? Is it kind of like a plateau again? Is it kind of a slowdown right now or just a, a well, I think stoppage, there, I, as somebody I think, said the I, other day? I, think there's, I, think, I don't think there's a stoppage. We're certainly seeing deals, and we're certainly, and quite frankly, I'll tell you, we're seeing quite a number of deals at the $10 million and above right now, and I'm, we're seeing that in today's market. I think that the... The uh, you know it's a little bit of a seasonality. I think there's a little bit of uncertainty in the world. We went through you know September and October into which is typically very busy points of our marketplaces with national news about possibly having you know nuclear war. I think that puts people pausing about buying property. Additionally, and this hasn't been talked about a lot, is the, is the proposed tax changes and how they will affect our market as well. And we don't know how that's, we don't A, know what's going to be approved or not, and, or agreed upon, and B, we don't know how that effect will actually be. Somebody had the actual nerve to say to me the other day, I'm afraid to invest this much money because I'm afraid we're going to get into a nuclear war and blah, blah. And I said, well, you know what? If you do get into a nuclear war and you invest $4 million, not only are you going to be dust, but so is your property. Why do you care? <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> okay. I, I think it's all over. It's done. What are you worried about? I agree. I agree. Anyway, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. I, I was giving clear war. Matt Martin. <laughs> Matt Martin, our rookie of the year from Halstead. Gotta love Halstead. So yes. I, I want to ask you, given your very structured financial and corporate background, and this struck me when I was reading about you because I came from a similar background years ago. Right. How do you handle the complete opposite of structure <laughs> in real estate? We work 24 by 7, even though we say we don't want to work 24 by 7. Right. These little devices are on our hand constantly, right? Yeah. So how do you do that? Uh, it's it's. Kind of a twofold question. Uh, part of it is being in corporate. One of the things I hated was the rigidity of it. I hated going in at a set time and having to stay to a set time and being at your desk a set amount of time. So in some ways, that structure is what suffocated me and made me really want to get out of the business and do something that that afforded me a bit more liberty, even if that liberty still means we're working weekends and around the clock. Um, Absolutely. But that, that job can be done at home. It can be done on the subway sometimes. It can be done from a coffee shop. Uh, so that part was really nice. On the flip side, uh, the structure is something I crave a lot of times. So I find myself trying to create it for myself if it doesn't already exist. Uh, so I create a lot of new guides for new buyers and renters, create a lot of blogs to kind of consolidate all my thoughts and information into one place so that I can create some sort of structure that I can easily say if somebody comes to me asking to rent or to buy or to sell, here's your resource, here's what you need to know, and here's where it's all saved for me because that's just how my brain operates. 
Great minds think alike because I had the same thing. And it is a slower migration into comfort, as I used to say years ago, because you're you're so used to structure. You're so used to checking in with somebody on a regular basis. And now you kind of, you work probably longer and more. Absolutely. And even harder. But you kind of do it, you know, in your own, in your own way. So again, rookie of the year. Congratulations. I mean, that is a major feat. And and thanks to Richard, you know. And and we should not forget Sarah Rodders. And Sarah Rodders. She's coming on very soon. Good. Anyway, but but that's a very on, uh, honorable uh, distinction, and it's a wonderful um, award. And I've seen many people go go so you know strong out of the box after that winning. How do you feel about that? What you know? What were your immediate impressions or feelings after you won that award? In, in you know, in front of I don't know a thousand people, there were so many people there that night. Well, Matt Leone here actually recorded a video, so if anyone wants to see what my feelings were, they can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to share. Matt Leone would do right. Exactly. I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to share it freely because I I was full of emotion. I, I was completely stunned. Um, going into it, I. Really believed, you know, I, this is something I love and I, I've, I've been very blessed to be successful so far in it. So I knew that part was there, but I've had a pretty good life. You know, I had a great career before this um, and I just thought there was going to be somebody out there who who had gone through a lot more than I had, who probably who may have been a little bit more deserving than I was. Uh, I don't know what the other stories were. I don't know who the other people were. Nor but do I. I yeah. But really going into it, I I just didn't expect to win. Um, so when I did and when they started telling the story of me, I, I kind of lost it, actually. <laughs> oh, I had no idea it was going to be you, but I saw you there and I thought, because mm, I know this guy must have been up to something. And yeah. I said, well, maybe. And then when they st- the, I think the first words that did it for me were Southern, Southern California. California. I said, oops, there yep. we go. And then we I have lost another winner. It. Yeah, well, and Richard was throwing me off, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had an inkling of what was going to happen. I don't know if he knew uh, it. Out, you but, think? Yeah, but <laughs> so he was he was dropping little things that made me think that maybe I wasn't going to get it. So, Well, you got it. So um, where do you see yourself going from here with, again, with so far, you know, a year or less in the business, yep. doing really great, knocking them dead from what I hear. By the way, Matt sits right across from me in the office, so I... Before I even knew, you know, how long you were in the company or that you were even up for this award, I mean, I can tell that you were on your way to being successful, if not already, you know, just by hearing your, your phone conversations, whatever. Oh, thank you. So when I read the whole story, I thought, wow, <laughs> not that much impresses me, but oh my God, I was a little fooled there uh, in a, in a good way. You. Thank you. So wh- where does this take you? Where do you go next? Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm still focused on just learning. <clears throat> that's where I am right now, like learning and doing and, and learning by doing. Uh, so really, that's the path I'm on right now. Um, ultim- you know, over the next few years, I have a vision of what my business will be, hopefully, and what it'll grow into. But for the time, I'm not trying to jump to the $2 million Upper West Side sales exclusively. Right you'll, now. You'll, you'll, you will get there. Exactly. Me. So I'm trying right now really just to learn, take, say yes to as many things as I can, talk to as many people as I can, um, and really just, just grow myself as I much as I can. I remember the first time I had a million dollar listing, I thought I was going to wet my pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's after doing 300000 400000 500000 I think the first apartment I sold was $199,000. Wow. So, you know, everything is is what it is. But when I got that first listing at Halstead and it was a million dollars and I thought, oh my God, how you know, how can I do this? Yeah. That's when a million dollars puts you a big apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I wasn't even going to say the size of the apartment. Anyway, we're going to go to break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back after these messages. Don't go away. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back with the Halstead Heavy Hitters, and next up is Matthew Leone, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of our company. So, Matt, in the years that I have known you, and that is for more than a decade now, your rise within the industry has been noted and respected. Why do you think you stand out? I remember, and I told you the other night at an awards dinner, that we, you know, I remember you bugging us about all this social stuff <laughs> before I even could spell it. And this is a decade ago. So, yeah. why, what's, what's happening? You know, why are you standing out and why did you see this from many, many years ago? Well, I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, maybe just to start with, just social as a, as a, as a whole. I mean, you know, in the past social media, when it started in the mid nineties, it was considered something that you would go to reach a younger audience. You know, it started in the, the, the dorm rooms of the Ivy leagues and every out of that, it was just, you know, those individuals who were graduating were, you know, connecting on there, communicating and it just, it, it certainly grew from there around, I would say maybe 2007, we decided as a company to just sort of delve into it. And we did that because we wanted to reach a younger audience. We wanted to reach someone that, you know, will will do over the life of their, uh, of them dealing with Halstead five to six transactions. We'll grow with them. You know, get them early and, and, and they'll come back for more. And we understood and learned from a lot of mistakes early on. I mean, you learn from what type of messaging works well inside that medium. It was completely different and totally transformative to how you communicate with the consumer. In the past, it was, you know, hard sells uh, based in the real estate industry. It was always, you know, what you had and and what you sold and and you you really presented that. But on social media, it was like a social conversation you would have 
you know, at a social gathering. And we learned that early on that on social media, they could turn you off very quickly. They can, they can unsubscribe, they can remove, remove you from their newsfeed immediately. So it's about the content, the quality of the conversation, the quality of the content that you're providing, the strategy that you have. And that's what we built. We built good content, good visuals, good uh, messages that people connected with. And that's, I think, why the real estate industry as a whole has been you know, uh, uh, so in love with social is, is that it's an easy way for a salesperson to stay in touch with their sphere of influence. But getting back to what you said a minute ago, <clears throat> excuse me, about, you know, staying connected, you know, uh, on the social scene with, with the clients, you were quoted recently as saying it's crucial to keep up a steady flow of useful information without being heavy handed. I think there's a fine line there. And I think there's a little bit of an issue sometimes with people who do too much. Yeah. Meaning they're you know meaning well, but they do too much. We explain that a little bit. What, yeah, what does I mean, heavy-handed mean to you? Yeah, I, what I like to call whenever I do training sessions or one-on-one strategy sessions with agents, I always say that the the one thing you do not want them to to uh, uh, to feel over social media is they do not you do not want them to smell your commission breath. <laughs> they they you don't want them to make them I am feel. Going to remember that one. Yeah, you don't want them to make them feel like you're selling them something. So what we always like to say is, is that you are in the business of your only good is your next deal. So you have to understand that there has to be some you know uh, hard sell in there. But it, let, let's call it an eighty twenty rule. Let's do eighty percent of soft sell value, uh, the state of the market information about the neighborhoods. Um, and, you know, maybe amazing visuals, great video content, push that stuff out. And then in your hard sells about your listings, about your business, you know, intertwine something in there that would be useful to them, like a, a did you know fact or something about the neighborhood that's near that listing that's amazing, like a restaurant or something that just opened um, and, and, and make them feel like they're not being sold. And that's the, that's the beauty of, of, of a successful strategy over social is, is that you never felt like you were sold, but you were sold. <laughs> Let me ask you something as the head, <clears throat> head of our marketing efforts at Halstead, you know, and, and we love you. What is your preferred plat when you, when you're speaking to newer agents, for example, or even some older agents who are not so savvy with social media, what is, what is your preferred platform of choice? What do you recommend most? Well, I mean, I, I again, one-on-one strategy sessions, Dick, you know, you, you, it's, they sort of tell you uh, after a conversation, which one's best for them. But if I had to go on a, a broad spectrum, uh, I would say that if someone wants to delve immediately into social media, probably Instagram's the easiest way of getting involved in that. Um, it's a, it's the simplest form of, of communicating. I always say that the uh, attention span of, um, of, of, a, of a human has devolved to seven seconds uh, of, of an attention span and that goldfish is eight seconds. So, you know, we, we need to communicate very quickly to our consumer and in a visual and short text and, or, or a short video on Instagram is the best way of doing that. You also can take your content and auto stream it to Twitter and Facebook on Instagram. So you could be communicating on Instagram and then really communicate it on three separate mediums without you having to do much work. Um, but you know, if you if you, you need to go where your audience is, if you find when you create an account and it goes into your contacts and it pulls and says that 
10 people that you know are on Instagram, that's probably not the best medium for you. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would pretty much guarantee with over 2 billion on Facebook, uh, your your audience, regardless of age or affluence level or where you're from, they're going to be there. I, I 100% agree with that. Everybody's, you know, all in the Instagram world, but I think Facebook is the one. I love this quote from you. I will always, I always tell people you shouldn't outsource your voice because it's you. People want you. They want to know what's going on in your life so you have to be authentic i love that authentic means so much to me why is that key in 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 your social media you know approaches well i think it's a broader topic too on um a a successful real estate agent a successful real estate agent is you know is is creating trust with your client um authenticity uh creates trust people don't see right through you they understand that that's the voice that i've met that's the voice that i know it's not someone that you paid every month to push content out or manage your account or your assistant that just graduated college you know they want to follow you they want to follow the expertise that you have the the, the knowledge that you have um, and and uh, you know, end of the day is, is that if you want to if you want to be successful on social, you you're going to need to be uh, available. You're going to need to be um, uh, uh, responsive. Uh, you know, if if some if you post something and and someone comments on it, and you don't get back to them for four or five days. What does that say about your business? Is that what you're going to do with the client when you represent their home? Talk, talk quickly about some of the programs that you offer us as agents at Halstead uh, with regard to social media. I think it's brilliant. And if I want to do something, this template you pretty much for everything talk a little bit about that for some of the agents that are listening out there yeah i mean i think uh there's a lot of companies out there that offer a lot of things i mean at halstead what we offer is is we we offer a social media strategist that works hand in hand one-on-one with agents if they want to have a strategy session um we uh we offer them the ability of creating social graphics and motion graphics for their uh for their listings and for uh for any other information that they want to push out there um, and we provide empowerment sessions. So, you know, as, as these uh, as these mediums evolve, if let's say one day Snapchat goes on the map as to a, a viable option, um, you know, we're going to within that month or two months have an empowerment session that is available for agents to either broadcast into um, through like a go to webinar or attend one on one or uh, at, a, at a session at one of our conference rooms. So, you know, we, we know that agents, uh, it doesn't cost much. It costs little to nothing to be on social. So let's get all of them on there. Let's get them messaging. And, and you know, 83 percent of your business comes from your sphere of influence. So uh, that's that's on social. Uh, and you need to leverage that if you're going to be a successful agent. Richard Grossman is one of our fearless leaders at Halstead. What are your thoughts on social media? Uh, I'm a big believer in it. I, I use it myself. I'm on Instagram and I'm Facebook. I agree with what Matt says. You have to be available and present in it. Get back to people quickly. Um, it's a great way for people to, to, to communicate to a lot of people in, in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in many different ways, a prideful way and so forth. Um, I think it's something that, you know, so many people are on and you can touch so many lives across so many different spheres. And it really makes a difference. And I'm just, you know, whether whether it's a, whether it's business related or life related, I'm just going to give an example. You know, I, I was not on Instagram for the longest time, and I happened to have been in Chicago at, at a at a conference, and I took a picture of some beautiful buildings in Chicago. I posted it on Instagram, and all of a sudden, a friend of mine who's from who used to live in New York but is now living in Minnesota pops up. That she sees me on it, and all of a sudden, I was in the, I was in I was in Chicago for myself by the weekend. Now I had a friend there. So when you say social media brings people together, Absolutely. that lets them know what you're doing. Doing personally, professionally, 
you know, however your point of view is going to be. And I agree that you should make it authentic. It should be your voice. It should be your eye. It should be your point of view. Matt Martin. So we'll finish on your thoughts. Social media. Social media I love. Uh, And I completely agree with what both of them have to say. I try to take um, a, a pretty balanced approach to it as well. I try not to do the hard sell, as Matt was saying, because I just think immediately this day and age, it's so easy to unfollow somebody. Um, you can you don't even have to unfriend them now to not see their stuff. You can unfollow them and no one will ever know the difference. So I try not to be too in your face with social media, but I love to use it as a platform to really celebrate all the great things that have happened to me and to say thank you to people who have been really influential uh, in getting me to where I am right now. Um share beautiful photography, all sorts of different things just to keep people engaged, but not to make them feel like I'm shoving a right, stake on their throats. <clears throat> with that, I thank you all. Matt Martin, Matthew Leone, Richard Grossman, the Halstead Bros. We will see you <laughs> later on today. Thanks, everybody. We're Thanks, coming right back thank you, live Vince. from Blastoff Productions. This is Good Morning New York. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back with our panel. Today we have Sean McPeak from Compass, Tracy. 
Hammersley from Douglas Element is joining us, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Noah Kaplan from Nestikers International, Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, and Niall Lundgren, our anchor from Compass. <laughs> Thank you, Vince. Wow, that's a mouthful today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This has got to be the biggest show we've ever had, no? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Did guests you all today. have good food? Oh, yeah. Yes, food was amazing. Thank you, Vince. Fantastic. Thank you. Breakfast, everybody. And I want to just mention um, the reason we have such a big show today and the reason we have breakfast is I woke up Sunday morning, as I do every Sunday, and I get my ratings for, you know, the month, the week before, the month before, whatever. And I have to tell you something. I nearly collapsed. I couldn't believe how extraordinary we have done just in the month of October. We just started November. October's numbers were out of control Bravo. in a good way. We're growing by week. We're growing by month. It's all thanks to you guys and the listeners out there. I fully appreciate it. So let's keep it going. Vince okay. to the rocks. Awesome. Well done. And Thank we will have breakfast, the next ratings book. Okay. All right. Awesome. Out of control. Big numbers. <laughs> All right, let's get right to it. Ever wonder why a New York City apartment can be slow to sell? I mean, they, you know, in these days, this is a very, you know, big question. You're not alone. When some might see languishing listings as stale inventory and not worth considering, they can be um, great for certain buyers. Let's explore the most common problems behind a property that's hard to sell. <clears throat> First thing I throw out there, it's overpriced. What do you sure. think about that? I mean, I think that happens to be the number one reason, right? Overpriced yeah. comments. Well, a lot of people will be scared to put in a, in a, an offer on an overpriced listing because uh, they're afraid of being exposed or bidding too high. So they want it, you know, a little lower price. Uh, there's like a saying: you don't want to be left out uh, naked and tap dancing. As, as it's, well, that's right. I definitely don't want to be left naked and tap dancing. Agree. Yeah. I mean, that's, what yeah, if I want to be left naked and tap dancing? Yeah, I mean, there's got to be somebody who wants that, right? Say. <laughs> Whatever gets a deal, right? I you, have a number of buyers actually who um, will not actually want to make a bid until they've seen a price drop. They, it's a feel that there's this real aspirational pricing in today's lovely current market. So you know, you see all these save listings in Street Easy, and people are just literally waiting to see the price drop. No, I think that's a good point, but I don't think we you should necessarily wait too, right? I found a lot of okay. deals where I'm encouraging buyers who are like, look, I like it, but I think it's overpriced and it's been on the market for a long time. I'm saying, let's go in and, and see what we could we could work Be out here, right? Yeah, because sure. you, you never know. Those listing brokers are are working hard, but they're still struggling themselves. And if they get a lower offer, then they're able to present that to their seller and then make a larger case to get a price to, drop, to, if that or a deal at a lower price. To Niall's point, um, you put in an offer while the price is still high and it's still stale, that'll help you in negotiations. Yeah. Whereas if you wait for the price to, to fall, then all of a sudden you have several buyers at the table Correct. and then there's this whole thing. Going. I think it all depends on price point because um, when you're pricing something, no matter what the market is, um, it, it really, I don't like taking it from, on like a general on a general scale, I almost like putting a percentage on it because I think that, you know, something around two to 4% off what the price should actually, you know, be asking um, is an interesting way to both price and also talk to sellers. Because when you're talking to sellers, you should have an honest conversation with them and say, if you were looking at apartments and you came to your own apartment as a buyer, would you be scared to make an offer if the price was this? And if your answer is 
maybe because I find that sellers won't always, won't say yes ever to that, but um, but they'll say <laughs> maybe like or, or they or they hesitate. So I look for their hesitation, and if their hesitation is you know in fact, then you say to them, then how do you feel two to four percent off that number? Um, yeah, like I was going to say that like I always look at it like there's the two most important things is marketing and price, and so those are the two things is how you market the pr- uh, property and how it's priced. Okay. Some people will say that pricing is part of marketing, but so you could market something incorrectly, just to exaggerate, you could say it's, you know, a, a 2,000 square feet when it's really 1,000 square feet. I'm just exaggerating. You're a bad agent if you did that. Right, but clearly, right, I'm a bad agent if I do that, but, but clearly you're going to get the wrong buyer in the door. Doesn't Sometimes Correct. it doesn't even matter if it's priced right. So then those are the two key points, I think, as a seller's agent. That's it's right. pricing and marketing. You have to get both those things right, and if you do, you'll sell the here, here, Here's one that I find interesting. A previous sale fell apart. Now, I know a lot of brokers, when you when you take your, your clients to see their listings, you know, and, and a question will be asked, regardless of what the question is, that the listing agent will say, yeah, we just had a deal, but it fell apart, blah, blah. They think that that's a smart thing to say. I happen to think that's not a good thing to say. In fact, I I personally never say that because then that begs the question from the buyer, well, why did the sale I, fall apart? I love this question. So to me, it, to me, it totally depends on the reason the deal fell apart. So if... if but the buyer is going to think one thing. Price, but here's the thing, and that's all is that think. sometimes a buyer comes in and they go, "Why is this on the market so long?" Right, right. And there's already some, a lot of suspicion in their mind. If you could somehow, and they and they love the apartment, if you could somehow put them at ease by saying something like, "Oh, it fell apart because we had this buyer that was so excited. We had ten offers. I'm, I'm, you'd never misrepresent, right? But let's just say the situation: we had an offer, it was accepted. We had ten other backup offers. We but we focused all our time on this one, and then now we went back, and there's no offers left. I mean. I'm just saying, like, is a reason why sometimes you do say that, and I have said that before. It depends. Obviously, if there's a board turndown, you probably want to explain that because the apartment's on the market for like three months, and someone's like, "Why is the apartment on the They're market?" There are extenuating circumstances, I, yeah. and I would agree with that. Yeah, so yeah. there might be some reasons, and I have to rethink that too because I, I I always get a little concerned when somebody says, "Well, you know, we had a great deal and it fell apart, a full ask offer, then it mm-hmm. fell apart." My buyer says to me. Mm, maybe full ask was too high. Okay, maybe, so and maybe the, the buyer decided that's not a good thing, right? Okay, so you, so yes, price is the the biggest thing. Um, let's like move on to other things. I think that it's also <laughs> knowledge. We and, have a new host on the show. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> on. No, because the perfect takeover. For people out there, there are other things than just price. I'm, I'm sorry, gonna, it's I was gonna completely bring... true. So uh, you know, I think I always say knowledge and vision. So, um, and I always talk about this with sellers. Um, vision in terms of both pictures and how the apartment shows. Mm-hmm. So sure. staging is obviously amazing. Louise Forbes, who is in here, is a huge fan of that. Um, but at the same time, it's also like things like paint. I mean, it, things as easy as that are going to change how an apartment shows. Um, and then knowledge. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen an apartment sit on the market for three to four weeks when it should have gone in a day um, because the broker either didn't do their research well enough or the seller wasn't upfront enough with the seller's broker about if there's a lien on the property. Is there some sort of red flag that's going to come up when the buyer's attorney is doing due diligence? I've 100% seen that. So, How about one more before we move on to the next topic? The property needs a renovation, but it is priced like it already has one. You definitely see a lot of that. 
Yeah, I planned reselling my apartment like that. So <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's, Vince, that's, I think it all comes down to expectation management, which gets to what you were saying, Phil, about the two thousand versus the one thousand square foot. The same thing with Matt. Yeah. You have to manage people's expectations. If it's a wreck, show the pictures. Don't put these pretty fancy, shiny pictures that show the two good angles of the apartment. Mm-hmm. Show it what it is mm-hmm. and say, "Architect ready." Put your own personal stamp. It is absolutely all about Back that. Back to what Phil said: exactly. market it properly along with the price, and you'll get interest, maybe, or you'll get people to at least see it. Overall. When you see a sales listing linger on the market, your first instinct might be to hesitate, but don't do that. There are extenuating circumstances sometimes why a listing is on the market for 30, 60 days. Ask your broker, ask the listing agent, because it's not always a bad thing. It's not a bad thing sometimes because something is lingering for 30, 60, 90 days. Uh, All right. For New York City buyers, the down payment is often the biggest hurdle on the path to home ownership. Co-ops typically require down payments of at least 20%, in some cases, 50% uh, or more. And with median sale prices in Manhattan co-ops at $850,000, that means having at least $170,000 cash on hand, not counting the funds you'll need to cover the closing cost and demonstrate two years of post-closing liquidity. Condos, on the other hand, tend to be laxer when it comes to down payments, with many permitting these days, again, 10% down. Condos Mm -hmm. also tend to be pricier than co-ops. However, uh, that means you'll face higher mortgage payments or you'll be paying off your mortgage, uh, paying your mortgage much longer. So you know, there's a there's a question out there these days, out on the streets of real estate in Manhattan or Brooklyn or Queens, wherever. Is there a compelling reason not to instead of op- not to instead of opting for a larger mortgage instead? In other words, it, is it best to put more money down or less money down and have a bigger mortgage? What what in your buyers' minds makes the most sense? It all depends on the person, not only, you know, the person on a personal financial standpoint, but also their job, for example. I mean, I work with a lot of finance, you know, people, men and women, and because they're in finance or banking, they get the majority of their income at the end of the year. So they're using mortgage products like IOs, interest only, um, you know, not regular adjustable rate mortgages because of that. They don't want to pay as much monthly. Um, But then on the other side, you know, if you have someone who would rather, um, you know, not even cash at hand, but not as much cash at hand, not as big of a payment, um, they'll put 50% down. And and I also always say to people, you know, don't go look at a condo because they only require 10% down. If you're getting a mortgage, most banks these days are going to require 20 to 25% for the mortgage product that you want. So it's not worth, you know, pigeonholing yourself like that. So to me, there's two reasons why someone would want to put down, uh, I guess, less of a down payment, even if they had the money. One is they want to use that money for something else. They don't want to use it for real estate. They might have other ideas for furniture, you right. know, whatever. Exactly. But the other reason is that there is uh, the, the savvy investor will know that the less money they put down, theoretically, the higher return they could earn on the property. It's leverage. So you're you're leveraged more. So you know, you if you only get to put down fifty thousand and the property's going to go up a lot in value, that's incredible leverage. Of course. And your return will be high. Of course, it also means there's downside <clears throat> as well. And that's what happened in like the financial crisis where people didn't put that much money down. The property, down. exactly, the value of the property went down and it really hurt them, you know. But anyway, so those, those are the, to me the two reasons. 
And that's one of the reasons why when co-ops were so stable in, in 2008, 2009 is because they asked you to put down so much money, right? Yeah, so you have exactly. people putting down 25, 30, and 40, 50 percent. So they had the cushion afterwards and their mortgage payment wasn't that low. So they didn't get hit as hard. Yeah, and there were no foreclosures in this town, really. Yeah. I mean, there were one here, one there. But because of the strict rules of the uh, the condominium that's, that's what I always structure. say to people too it's like they're like oh why why do I have to put 20-30% down it's it's and I say look in the 2008-2009 crisis you know this is what saved a lot of people yeah, and if you think about risk, yeah right? exactly right, absolutely cut the risk, risk. alright we have to leave it there we are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City this is Good Morning New York uh, we will be right back after these messages don't go away The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Aliens with Gas, we are the Extraterrestrial Rock Show, airing every Saturday afternoon on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix, a phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. <laughs> phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Phenomenon. Do, do. All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with our panel. Sean McPeak, Tracy Hammersley, Matthew Cohen, Noah Kaplan, Phil Horrigan, and Niall Lundgren. Wow, I need a cue card on that one. <laughs> All right, our favorite neighborhood. Well, some some people. Greenwich Village residents, past and present, always want to tell you about their first apartment. They are $70 a month, if you can believe that. Uh, Crowed someone recently, reminiscing about the studio with a tiny bathroom under the eaves of a crumbling brownstone he rented in the 60s. Outcasts and rebels, poets, artists, gay and straight, seekers and settlers have been calling the village home for four centuries. Even the streets were unruly. You can still hear jazz, catch a game of chess, see uh, a good art film, uh, get a cheap haircut. I don't know about that. Find a late night pizza or get lost looking for Christopher Street, right? But those who hate change have plenty to bemoan. Today's settlers have far deeper pockets than those 
when Emma uh, Goldman, Edgar Allan Poe, Jackson Pollock, and Bob Dylan walk those streets. The Price of Brownstones is a very different story entirely, entirely one that includes uh, glassy new construction, upscale restaurants, and dozens of gyms. So... I'm a little older than most of you in this room. I remember the Gren- uh, the the village, I call it, not Greenwich Trails, but all of the village um, from way back when to where it is today. I loved it then. I love it today. What, what, in your opinion, as real estate agents running around the village and every other neighborhood, but what keeps this place still very popular with buyers and, and, and people who want to come and visit, you know, visitors, tourists, what through the years has kept the village up there in, in you know, high marks? I mean, technically, the Gold Coast of Manhattan is in Greenwich Village. So Lower Fifth Avenue, right above Washington Square Park, is always considered Gold Coast. So I think that's a major player when you're talking about it. Um, I find that people really like that Washington Square Park and NYU are part of Greenwich Village. Union Um, Square. Yeah, I mean... I don't. I, I for one actually don't even consider. I, I I don't consider Union Square in in, in any neighborhood. I kind of find it to be like it's a little north its own neighborhood yeah. because it, I tried it, typing it into like a neighborhood right. the other day, and I was like, oh, it is. I, I agree with you. It's its own neighborhood. Well, it's, it's because Square. it's it's kind of where like Flatiron, Greenwich Village, East Village, and Gramercy all meet. So it's it's definitely confusing. Um, but but no, and and Greenwich Village is just street, you know block to block, street to street. They're all. Amazing. You know, when we talk about neighborhoods, I feel like we always say, even with um, the Upper East Side, you know, not even going into something like Bushwick or Bed-Stuy where they're up and coming, but like even the Upper East Side, it's kind of block to block. Not everything is absolutely stunning and gorgeous. And Greenwich Village, I can't think of one street that is not up like not 120 percent gorgeous a, co- a common thread with uh, the neighborhood is like low-lying buildings and then tree-lined sure. streets so you have a lot of green space and a lot of low-lying buildings which i think is the key to a lot of these you know kind of trendier neighborhoods taking off like williamsburg is a great example well the landmark restrictions down there is what you're referring to that's what keeps it really i think beautiful you see sky all yeah. over the place when you're walking those streets you can and get a trees. fantastic view from the seventh floor because it's completely unobstructed Correct. from a lot of places in the village Correct. and the west village is probably known as the most uniquely new york part of the city and i still think that it is fairly fairly unchanged from back in the day the west village is my favorite part of the the village which encompasses Great. all of it but you know through the years it, it's changed uh, it's gotten better. It's it stayed the same in some cases, but the authenticity, as we were talking about earlier with one of the Halstead guys, being authentic and being true to yourself. I always feel like the village is one of those neighborhoods in this town that has stayed authentic, even with change, but stayed authentic, stayed agree. you know authentic to itself and to the people who love it. Uh, I have to tell you something. You go out to dinner on a Saturday night down there, and the tourists and the people who come. This makes me crazy, but the people who come <laughs> from out of the city to the village is maddening. But but that's but a, a testament to what the neighborhood is and what it's become and, ha- and how wonderful uh, it's They're bringing money treated. to keeping it pristine. They, they, and, and they are, and the, the restaurant owners aren't going to complain about that. That right? is the one big negative, though, because I lived down there for a while. It is the only it's negative. It's so beautiful, but the tourists at night, they Horrible. come down. But the other, there's another negative, too, is that um, if you want to go buy some groceries or you want to like a mm. slice of pizza, you're always going like three blocks and there's only one store, you know, yeah. whereas like you live anywhere on the Upper <laughs> Side or the Upper East Side. So you have to walk three 
blocks. Like, still. Do you hear yourself right now? I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, my neighborhood on the Upper West Side, we lost two grocery yeah. stores lately. Upper so West I have no grocery store. Two. It's, it's, it's yeah. tough. Upper West Side is starting to get like that, I find. Yeah. But Upper East Side and other places, you know. Instead of four. Yes. But I used to love about. I'm forced to shop in Barzini, which I can't I can't deal with. But what I used to love about Manhattan, and it's still true in a lot of places, is wherever you go, like every square block is like your bagel store, your dry cleaners, your laundromat. You your own your, little neighborhood you know, on your block. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the anyway. the one bad thing though about Greenwich Village is that the uh, you know that Gold Coast I was just talking about the the Lower Fifth Avenue the maintenance is wild. Oh, I mean those crazy. buildings have really high maintenance, but obviously pensions for guys that like died a hundred years ago. Yeah, I mean Two <laughs> Fifth Avenue and those buildings are yeah. are wild. Uh, but Two Fifth Avenue are nuts. They're but not, also, but I mean demand. Years. It doesn't stop demand. Obviously, no. I, I mean the whenever there's a new project being built in Greenwich Village, they sell like crazy. That and the Annabelle Seldorf building that was just put mm-hmm. there um, on like 10th or 12th, it, it sold in like a second. How, how the new that developments on the St. Vincent's Hospital um, uh, British Lane. Oh, British yeah. Lane, thank you. But that's mm-hmm. gorgeous. It's they stunning. did that so stunning. respectfully. They it's did it very beautiful. respectfully. I was stunned. You know, they, There was so much negative uh, neighborhood resistance to that development. Right. And that was that <clears> developer's <throat> first condo project too. The first, they hit it that's out right. of the park. Which Absolutely beautiful. All right, anyway, moving Moving on, new developments these days boast amenities galore. Roof decks, climbing walls, common lounges, you name it. But for some New Yorkers, amenities aren't all that. We talk about amenities, you know, uh, like crazy on the show. Location being in the heart of the action matters more to some people. We asked a handful of New Yorkers. I didn't, but um, uh, Street Easy did. New Yorkers <laughs> about the very... I, hate, I said the word on the street. I, Excuse I, me. I can <laughs> Times Square. Some research firm <laughs> asked the question. Some reputable research firm. <laughs> <laughs> the details. Would you rather live in a building packed with amenities or in the perfect location, whatever that perfect location is for you? And I will reveal what the answer is in a sec. But what do you think? Matthew Look, Cohen. Um, I say location all day long. Um, you know, except, except I will say that given the location, can, can I give like a two part answer? Um, location, location, 100% location, that's, that's my choice. But, um, but given the location, I think also changes the answer because given the neighborhood, different people want different things in a place like the upper West and the upper East families want more family friendly amenities filled building so I think it depends but I definitely go with location yeah for me personally, absolute location, but I have a number of customers who they like to be able to walk to work. It is their commute. I've had other people who could not be longer, farther than a 10-minute walk to Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. So that could be anywhere. That could be Larry's side. That could be Chelsea. So, you know, certain things do dictate. I do have some buyers who are seduced by the amazing amenities. And now, I mean, there's everything from the golf simulators to it's not just the children's playroom, the gym, the spa. It's, you know. I, I mean, the, it's the like spa. really, who's got time for all that stuff? I can't even imagine. The basketball Location. Court. Definitely location. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's obviously different between a sell and a rental, right? Like a sale, like for a rental, you know, you don't really care as much about location as you do about Correct. price. That's right. And you just want to be close to a train, you know? That's so, right. It's, it's, so I, I noticed. Because that's not going to be a permanent residence, probably, for or a residence for that long. Sure. I think it's really permanent in this town. So I sure. agree with that. Makes yeah. sense. I pick location any day of the week. I'd say location because you sacrifice so much to be in on the island in the first place. But I find that uh, a lot of renters, especially, I mean, you can be coerced by a lot of amenities to or, or to, brokers. Yeah, 
you can you can be you can be you can be you can have your mind changed by amenities to to uh, take a secondary location, which is you know like a five die thing, you know. I totally agree, and my my answer is location, and the answer the 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 survey answer is location. But what's interesting when you're selling new development, uh, everybody asks to see the amenities or what kind of amenities. Oh, you don't have a pool? There isn't a garage in the building, you know. And I love to play with these people, so I say all the time, "Oh, really?" Yeah. Have a car? Yes. Oh, That's no, one of the questions. No, one, but right? I was thinking about getting one. Or, you know, do you want to swim? Do you swim every day? No, but I think, you know, it's a good thing to do. I'm allergic to chlorine, but I just want to know. Okay, so you want to pay extra common charges so you can afford a lifeguard and chlorine and all this stuff, upkeep of a pool. I will confess, Vince, Be one of the main reasons that I was excited to buy my new construction nine years ago was because there was a pool. Nine years later, I've used it zero times. So there you go. Well, how many people say, I want a roof deck and never go on the roof deck? I have to have private Correct. outdoor space. How often do you have friends over for a barbecue? Well, I haven't done that yet. It's no, I, I agree with Tracy. What do you do with it? I agree with Tracy. My favorite is the pet spa in a building. Like the, the pet <laughs> well, cleaning I station. Understand. I once had a client who, who did not have a pet and wanted that. And I was like, I know you're thinking about getting one, <laughs> but that's also why you have a bathtub. Like, I will actually <laughs> fight with you about I this. Worked, I worked with a client a year ago. I'm not even going to mention male or female, but I worked with this client a year ago. And one of the requirements was it, the building has to be pet friendly. It has to be pet friendly, but you don't have a dog. When well, I'm going to get a dog, but you don't have one today, you probably won't. You're very busy. You're an attorney, blah, blah. It has to be pet friendly. <laughs> one year later, does she have a dog? No. <laughs> yeah, I think I think people get a little bit uh, riled up when it comes to a sale because there's this feeling of finality, mm-hmm. and they feel like right. they have to get everything right. in, yeah. everything in the package. Right. Like yeah. I said and earlier in the show, yeah. if you are worried about a nuclear war, you're going to be ashes and so is your property. Buy the property, <laughs> get over yourself. That's not morbid at all, Vince. We Keep are out moving. of time. That is our show for today. Thanks to thanks to my host, head guest, and panel as always. Until next time, please be kind to one another. Next week, special guest star Nikki Field will be here from Sotheby's International. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us and have a great day. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 